I accept the poster challenge. I accept the coaster 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 challenge. Do you accept the coaster challenge? What is the coaster challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, David Cantu and J.D. Prescott. So, how's it going, J.D.? It's going good. It's going good. Happy spring. Woohoo! Spring. Yes, happy coaster season, too. It looks like the coaster season is about to open. Oh, I know, I know. But the good news is, California theme parks are reopened a week ago on the 1st. Yeah! only at 15%, but, oh, you know, at no. this point, you know, I think uh, all of us here in California are just happy to just to have something, something, <laughs> we'll take it at this point. You know? Oh, the best part is movie theaters, too. And sports, sports and arenas. And sports arenas. Oh, oh, looks like things are just slowly, slowly starting getting back to normal. And let's not screw it up, folks. You know, let's, uh, let's keep this progress going. Please. But, I beg know. of you. But it uh, looks like we got a pretty good episode today. Yeah, we do. We have uh, Andrew and Iva. And Jenna. We got our correspondence team here today. All of us for the first time. Oh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a very exciting interview with all of our entire correspondence team. But first, let's see what's happening in the news. Theme parks in Southern California have reopened last week on April 1st, but only at 15% compared to the 25% theme parks around the country were allowed. You must make a reservation in order to attend any of the parks in California, so make sure to check your local parks website and make sure to secure a reservation today. Universal has announced they've recontinued the construction on their new park in Florida, Epic Universe. No details yet if the construction delay has pushed back the park's projected opening date, so stay tuned to that. And also, coaster season is about to begin, so make sure to check your local parks websites for opening dates and make sure to plan those reservations. It's going to be a really, really fun summer, right JD? It's going to be a ripping summer. Oh yes, and it's something that we all desperately going to need. Normalcy. And, yep, and that's what's in the news this week. All right, JD and I are here with our correspondence team. I would like to introduce Andrew, Iva, and Jenna. All of us have been together for, with Coaster Challenge for a very long time, and this is the first time that all five of us are actually able to talk to each other all at the same time. So, Andrew, Iva, Jenna, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys. Uh, let's start off with Iva. Iva, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why did you join Coaster Challenge? So I became an enthusiast actually since I was little. My dad is the reason why I love riding roller coasters. And his theory was if you're tall enough to ride, you're getting on it. So <laughs> I, my big first big roller coaster was Mean Streak at Cedar Point when it was open. That was back in 91. And I remember getting off of it and my mom saying, I looked at white as a sheet, but guess what? I still went back on those coasters and I have ever since. Wow. Mean streak. I never even got a chance to experience that coaster before. Uh, when I went to Cedar Point for the first time, uh, it, they were building Steel Vengeance. And it was really sad to see the, the coaster all dismantled and was taken apart. 
but uh, I wish I could have gotten a chance to experience that when I visited Cedar Point for the first time. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I grew up on the East Coast, and my parents, you know, like a lot of East Coast people, took me down to Disney World and, uh, you know, for vacations and spring break. And apparently my first coaster in my life was when I was four years old, uh, riding Space Mountain, and it, you know, shortly after it had opened um, to the public there in the 70s. I was, it would have been 77 when I wrote it. Uh, and apparently, I don't remember it at all, but I was frightened, really frightened, again, four-year-old being a coaster. Uh, and, you know, over the years, uh, going back to Disney World, going to other parks, Great Adventure was my home park, uh, li living in northern New Jersey. But, you know, I'd go and just ride, you know, the mine train and, you know, the smaller stuff. Uh, Rolling Thunder was their uh, dueling wooden coaster, or racing wooden coaster, I should say. Um, but I wasn't an enthusiast then. I uh, became an enthusiast when peer pressure set in. Um, and this would have been around 90, 1992 or so. Uh, we did a senior day for high school, for my high school class at Great Adventure. And one of the first rides of the day, my friends, it was literally the first ride of the day, my friends drug me onto Great American Screen Machine, which is the Arrow Mega Looper they used to have there. So my first, you know, looping coaster was that one. And it, what has what, I think that like six or seven inversions and go, going from having that fear of not wanting to go on it, being afraid to go on it, getting on it, conquering my fears and also just the great forces of the ride, enjoying it and just like no other coaster I'd ever been on. I basically became an enthusiast right after that. And so we get off the ride. My friends are asking me how, uh, how I liked it. And I said, uh, where are the other looping coasters? Take me on all of them <laughs> in the park. So I had a great first time on, on all the big rides there. Uh, I was like 17 years old. So That's amazing. Jenna, tell us a little bit about you. So living in Southern California, we, my family would always take us to Disneyland. Um, my one ride I hated was Space Mountain. And so we took a family trip out to Disney World. And we went on Space Mountain out in Disney World. Space Mountains, Disney World, it was the single rider. So you had a person in front, person in middle, person in back. When we came back to California and I went on Space Mountain here in California, um, I wasn't afraid as much of going on the roller coaster as I was. Yeah, I don't think Space Mountain has changed at all in Orlando. Nope, it is not. So that was the most unique thing I experienced with Space Mountain in Orlando is that they had the bobsled style trains were very different from Anaheim. And if I'm correct, I believe there were two trains that were, it was like pretty much dueling. Uh, I believe it was two, two trains going around the same time. Correct. Yeah. There's two tracks. That's correct. Yeah. I think that's where Anaheim just has the one to be honest. Uh, the fact that three of us here are from California. Um, we, I really, really miss Disney. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm jonesing yeah. for it. As much as I've complained about Disney with the crowds and the long lines, when it's been closed for a year, then you start to realize, oh my god, I actually miss going to Disney. <laughs> I really miss going down there. Dave, try being away from California for nine years and not being able to do it. Yeah, I know. You've been living up in Oregon for such a very long time, and there's really no theme parks in Oregon. I think you guys just like a county fair that happens like once a year. Yeah. Okay. This, uh, this past year, I think, amongst other things, has taught a lot of us, if not all of us, 
what we've been taking for granted in life. Mm. Yeah. It really has. Exactly. You know, this this time has really given me the opportunity to really look back and think about some of the things I've never really got to do. And now it's like I'm starting to uh, doing things I never got to do when I was younger. So I started taking up fencing for the first time ever. And it turns out I turned out to be really good at it. And sometimes I look, I look back now and I'm like, wow, I should have done this when I was much younger. Um, so it's just like this time really really makes it where you think about like the little things in life that we miss all from a pandemic well jd uh you've been there a little on the quiet side uh do you have any any questions um yeah iva what was your first looping coaster Ooh, my first looping coaster i would have to say king cobra at king's island <laughs> um iva how did you feel coming off the roller coaster um I was kind of like Andrew. I had peer pressure. We went there. So Kings Island, growing up, used to do girl, uh, scout days. And I've been a Girl Scout my whole life, still am. And uh, so we went to Paramount and Kings Island. That's how long ago that was. And the uh, a lot of the girls wanted to go on King Cobra. And, of course, you know, I just I had to go with them because, you know, I didn't want to be that wuss that chickened out on it. So, so yeah. I, I loved it, and I, I miss it, actually. I'd rather ride King Cobra than Mantis when it was still at Cedar Point. So, Yeah, um, I didn't get to experience Mantis, but I did get to experience Rougarou, which was the conversion from the stand-up coaster to the floorless coaster. And I will say uh, that was a real headbanger, but most floorless coasters that I've experienced have always been headbangers with me. Yes, so is Vortex at Carowinds. I can't stand Vortex. Yeah. So let's start with Jenna. Jenna, what what was the? I know you've told me some stories in in the past. Um, what is the one coaster that scared you the most? So my friends had taken me to Magic Mountain. Uh, the one friend had a dad that worked for the city of Burbank. They had gotten a day pass. They had taken me on X when it first opened up the ride was having issues or kept breaking down or they were running just two cars. I don't know, but they were like, Oh, the ride's broken. Wasn't broken. They still made me go on it. There was four of us. The first two went on, they rode it. Then me and the other one went on when the first two came off, they were waiting for us at the, at the exit gate. When I came through, the one came up, gave the thumbs up or thumbs down, pointed at me, the one that was sitting on the outside of me looked over, saw me crying, gave them the thumbs down. They took off running. When I came down off the, the ride, they were like, are you going to talk? You have to say something. And I told them, I hate you guys. I am never going on this ride again. <laughs> so that would be your scariest coaster. Yeah. Would you go on it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So my boyfriend, Mike, keeps threatening to take me back on it. And I keep telling him, nope, not doing it. Not doing it at all. Do you accept the coaster challenge? It's not that I, I'm afraid of it. It's just I don't like it at all. That's the difference. Yeah, I think for us coaster enthusiasts, uh, we will we ride every coaster. But there are a few coasters out there that once you ride them, it's like one and done. Right. It's like the, the worst coaster that I've experienced uh, so far from the ones I've been on around the country uh, is 
Kitty Hawk over at Carowinds. Uh, that was one of the worst coasters I've ever experienced. It was really a huge headbanger. By the time I got off that ride, I had such a really bad headache, and I was like, uh, one and done. Uh, you will never, I will never ride this coaster ever again. Right. I've been on Desperado at the state line. That's fun. Despa- uh, they had Desperado at the state line between uh California and Nevada and I went on that by myself it hikes you up you get to look out on both sides and then it drops you and I was 13 and nobody would go on it with me so when they brought Goliath here to Valencia going on it was no problem but you got to ride the original X yeah now it's X2 and uh, Andrew I believe X2 is one of your favorite coasters uh yes X and X2 so um I was one of the first to ride the original X back in, God, it would have been, I think, early 2002. Yeah, they missed the 20, 20, 2001 opening, but I wrote it in early 2002 as one of the season pass holder uh, access days, early access days. Went with a buddy of mine, another coaster enthusiast, and uh, that was with the original trains and all that, and it was outstanding. I, I love that ride. I still do. It's one of my favorite coasters. But it also is the coaster that scares me the most. Um, Even though I've ridden on it dozens of times, uh, you know, more than any other coaster, even a new coaster I haven't been on yet, X scares me the most. And I've been on all three of the Hour 40 coasters in the world, X, X2, which is now called Ijenaika at uh, Fujiku Highlands in Japan, and most recently uh, Dino Kanda at China Dinosaurs Park in uh, China, of course, (laughs) hence the name. Uh, And again, all these rides scare me because they're all pretty much the same ride. And the big thing about it is, is when you, you know, you go up that lift hill backwards and then that second set of rails rotates you. The first rotation is you rotate forwards to face straight down that vertical drop and going down a vertical drop where you're facing straight down like that, like just all exposed, you know, kind of like a flying coaster. There's nothing like it in the world. Absolutely nothing. And it is, it scares the bejesus out of you because you feel like you're falling to your death. Yeah. Was there, was there any major differences um, uh, on all the coasters that were just like X2? I know you got to experience all of them. Right. Any kind of differences between them? There are slight differences. Dinaconda, basically, as each new one came out, because uh, first X was the first, hence the name Experimental Coaster or Extreme Coaster. Um, that was the first one in 2002. And then Ijenaika opened a few years later. And then China... Dinaconda, China Dinosaurs Park opened a few years after that. Each new one is a little longer and taller than the previous one by like a few feet approximately. They have the same basic layouts. Uh, one of the issues with those style of coasters is you can't do a lot with them as far as their layout uh, without getting really expensive. And I think there's some physics challenges as well. Um, they're basically the same. Uh, I was actually kind of disappointed in Dinaconda. Being the newest one, I thought it might be a little more smooth than where X2 is currently, but it was not very smooth. Um, but they're all great rides. Uh, just And again, they're just, so, they're great, I think, for enthusiasts because, I mean, who knows what other people think, but me as a very, very big enthusiast, that ride still has me on my toes and scares me in a good way. That sort of, that gets that extra adrenaline going and the endorphins going and all that because of the emotional reaction to it 
Okay, since Jenna uh, pretty much told us what the coaster that scared scared her the most, uh, Andrew, would you say that the the X two style uh, coasters uh, were they the scariest coaster you've ever been on? Yeah, I would have to say the scariest coasters I've been on would be X and X two and these other variants of the Arrow forty. Probably the other one that was the scariest because of some iniquities of it would be uh, Battle of the Jungle King in um, Hefe Wanda, or now I think it's called Hefe Sunak because they got a new ownership uh, in China that I went on two years ago, actually almost literally two years ago. And, you know, that's a tilt coaster. And it's not a Vacoma. Vacoma makes very reliable coasters. It was made by Golden Horse, which is this kind of budget Chinese manufacturer who copies, you know, other designs and comes up with their own designs. And going on it the first time, I didn't have much trust of them. I didn't know. My, my biggest concern was that the two things, actually. One, that the holding brake that holds the coaster train on the tilting track would let go, would not, would not hold up as it's tilting and then train would just plummet off the track or the other is that the tilting track would not line up with the rest of the track, you know, the remainder of the course. And then there'd be a problem again, the train would fall off or, you know, do a derail or something. But I rode that ride, I think two or three times uh, first to just ride it. Of course, also after that to get footage for the channel for coaster challenge and luckily i i survived it uh it's a very rough ride over over the shoulder restraints and just really bumpy that's one of those if i were to go back there it's one and done yeah would you say it's a cheap knockoff um i i, I would say it's a cheap knockoff of the comas tilt coasters there's only two companies in the world that have made tilt coasters i've never been on uh Vekoma tilt coaster like gravity max in taiwan i've been to that park I went to that park back in 2007 expressly to get on Gravity Max and was closed all day, which was really unfortunate. So, but I don't know because I've never been on Gravity Max. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would, I will never forget when you gave me that footage, uh, Andrew, of Battle of Jungle King. Um, that was probably the craziest video we've ever made on Coaster Challenge. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, and also, I think you got that video on a very popular coaster archive, uh, I believe. That's correct. Actually, several of our videos and I think some of our photos, I uh, was able to get onto RCDB because these coasters in China, a lot of people don't get to ride them, uh, especially for a American-based database company and database site rcdb uh, of course which is the roller coaster database and i uh, sent them my footage you know after you edited it david and and the pictures i took and some of that is on there which is kind of cool coaster yeah. challenges on rcdb and because of that it really give gave us a boost in views on battle of jungle king because you don't get you don't see many videos of battle of jungle jungle king on youtube and that is a very rare jewel to be able to have on your youtube channel absolutely it's always important to have that special jewel in your youtube channel 
uh, for people to look up. But I will say the one video that uh, is very popular on our channel, and it's surprisingly, it's uh, the Incredible Hulk over at Universal's Islands of Adventure in Florida. And that video's got over 12,000 views. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm just like amazed. And people are still looking at it. It's really amazing. That's really impressive. The right, offers. Uh, a lot of people seem to really like the music soundtrack to it. When did you go to Universal? 2017 is when I went to Universal. So that was not too long after the retracking. Maybe that's part of it. Because maybe, you, I mean, you probably weren't the first, of course, to get it after the retracking, but earlier on after the retracking. So, yeah. So, Iva, uh, tell us a little, tell us what coaster that scared you the most with your experience. So, that would be the Joker at Six Flags Great America. It's one of those 40 spitter coasters. And I'll tell you, since I have never rode one before, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, when you go to any of these theme parks, you always have that B&M Hyper or the Giga or, you know, any of the, the traditional coasters. But I had never before experienced a 4D spinner coaster. And I, I was shaking when I got up to that coaster, but I, I rode it. I, I just like it was just not expecting the unexpected because I just didn't know how I was going to react to being just tossed and turned like that in every which way. Wow. Yeah. 4D coasters. Um, I've written quite a few 4D coasters uh, traveling around the country. And I will say the worst 40 coaster I experienced was Green Lantern over at Six Flags Magic Mountain and that ride scared the living daylights out of me um, it, I will I all I can say is right toward the end you make this really you're going fast and you do this really sharp turn at the end and I scream bloody murder I, I I never it was like a panic scream because I really felt like I was gonna fly off the coaster and i'm really glad that they tore that ride down so i've got a question for you david okay when we were in high school and junior high we tried getting you on roller coasters why wouldn't you get on the roller coasters a lot of it was because of my tourettes i mean every time my tourettes would flare up is every time when i'm extremely nervous or i have anxiety or stress so every time i saw a coaster um, yeah, my Tourette's would just flare up on me and it's just uh, the fear uh, from it. And the one biggest reason is because I just very afraid of the inversions. I was really afraid of the loop. I was afraid of going upside down. Um, you know, everybody's gotten me close to the station. I mean, you guys, I mean, people were trying to get me to go on Viper and I, you just, I just couldn't do it. Uh, Viper just had way too many loops and I just, it just scared the the daylights out of me um you guys almost had me many times on california screaming and uh and you guys had me very close to the station but i literally walked through the train and i literally said i will see you on the other side <laughs> yeah so basically with me is it was really the fear the fear is what really affected me from being able to get on more bigger faster coasters so, right. And um, I'm just, you know, looking back now, I was sitting there thinking of how much I've missed so many opportunities when I was younger that I didn't get a chance to face my fears then because I really missed out, like missed out all the things, all the times when we were in high school that I could have 
ridden roller coasters with all you guys. And um, I look back and, you know, and I, I, I'm very proud of the accomplishment that I've done now. Um, you know, being able to face my fears and just being able to get on these and not just the fact that they're very helpful, but they really have changed my life in so many ways. It's just, just really amazing. And you don't have to hold all of our stuff at the station. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think we can have somebody else do that now. So, exactly. You know. Yeah, but when it comes to 4D coasters, I would say Green Lantern was probably the worst one I've ever experienced over at Magic Mountain. And like I said, I'm really glad that they, they tore that ride down. They're moving that to Laron. But I believe that uh, they're going to be replacing that with an RMC Raptor. Yes. Okay, so we talked about our first coaster, and now we've also talked about the coaster that scared us the most. Uh, let's talk about a coaster time or a crazy time on a coaster. Uh, JD, uh, any crazy moments on a coaster? Yeah, back in 1998, uh, we were riding Goliath, the person sitting behind me. We were hitting the, the helix, and they decided to throw up halfway through. <laughs> okay. Um, JD, did, did any of it get on you? No, luckily I was in front, and they were behind me. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, David has a similar story from actually... Right next door there at, at Magic Mountain, the neighboring coaster. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Uh, what neighboring coaster are you referring to, Andrew? Refresh. Refresh well, which coaster am I referring to? I'm referring to Twisted Colossus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a very unique situation that happened to me on Twisted Colossus that I've never seen ever happen at a theme park. Um, it's, it, it, it got around social media uh, in general because a lot of coaster enthusiasts were actually on that ride that day. So we get in the station and we go, we go to head toward the lift hill. Now, when you go toward the lift hill, you go under this, bridge where people exit well as we were going through um we heard it looked like water was leaking down the bridge so we thought oh there must be somebody must have spilled you know water or something and it's coming down no it was a guy literally stand there and was at was peeing on everybody and literally peed on all of us i literally turned my head And saw him fully exposed down there, and he was just—he just peed on all of us, and it hit all of us, and we were stuck on the right. So instead of screaming for joy, mm. you can hear everybody on the train just cussing through the inversions. We're just like <laughs> angry as hell, you know. And we're just—it was just—that was an interesting experience. You would hear people screaming. No, people were yelling and cussing <laughs> during the first half of the ride and uh but magic mountain's security team and everybody was all there immediately right when we got back to the station but they had to clean us up i mean it was just it was just a horrible experience but six flags really jumped on it they caught the guy and they banned they arrested him banned him from the park forever 
you know, but that is, that's, that is one memory I'll never forget getting peed on a roller coaster. That <laughs> <laughs> was just gross. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. What about you, Iva? Okay. Mine wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if anyone has had a chance to visit Kentucky Kingdom before. Great little park. And as you guys all have heard the huge announcement just recently attained by Hershend Entertainment. We were there um, two years ago and we were getting on Lightning Run, which is a wonderful little coaster. Lots of airtime and it's very underrated. So we're actually waiting for the train and the train in front of us is loading up and everything. Well, there's this guy and trying to get himself you know secured into the ride and the lap restraints on it is very similar to the rmc lap restraints give you guys kind of a little bit of a a picture here and the lap restraint would not go down on this guy's lap so he's like well hold on a sec let me um take care of this he stands up in the seat and starts to pull off clothing layers of clothing he started taking off a hoodie and next thing I know, he's got his pants coming off and he's got his uh, swim shorts underneath. And eventually he did fit, but we just had to strip down a couple extra layers for him to actually be able to securely get strapped in. Oh my gosh. Wow. Are, are <laughs> is there a water park attached to that? Yes, the water park is included with the theme park admission. Uh, that explains it's actually, a lot. It's like actually right in the middle. It's uh, the water park's right in front of uh, T three. Huh. Okay. Wow, I've never heard of that. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of people do like almost. There was a story. I don't know if you guys have all seen it, but I think it was years ago. There, there was a special. Like it was, it was like a naked mile, but everybody was nude on a coaster. And I mm -hmm. think there was a name for it, but I remember, I don't know what park hosted that, but it was the most insane. Like everybody was on the train naked. And I was like, what the heck? I've never <laughs> seen that before, but you'll have to Google it. But it was, I remember it was a story years ago and I don't know what park. I'll have to definitely research that. But, you know, that was, that was the most interesting interesting thing i ever saw as well <laughs> and just think that was before covid and all the sanitation procedures started yeah right <laughs> so how about you andrew yeah so um here's a good one for you so i went to discovery kingdom in vallejo up there in northern california i'd been there years ago this is actually I think I went there before it even was renamed to Discovery Kingdom right after Six Flags bought it. And this is back in like the 1998 to 2000 timeframe. And you guys this may ring a bell for you, although it's, it's a while, been a while now. So I think it was the summer of 99. And just, just in case you're wondering, I was not, I did not experience this, but it leads into my story. Uh, in the summer of 99, it gets really hot up there. The boomerang there, which is called boomerang coast to coaster. Uh, it's a first gen Vacoma boomerang. So it's a, uh, you know, standard uh, riding position. You know, it's not, it's not like in vertigo or suspended. In any case, there was a major accident on that ride. Luckily no one died. Um, but what happened was, as can happen with boomerangs, is when the train went through the first half of the ride and was coming up the other lift hill, 
before it's supposed to get caught by a, a little pulley mechanism, pull it up you know, a few more feet so it then has extra potential energy to get, make it through the course backwards. Well, sometimes those don't catch. And this is going back to the 90s when boomerangs are still fairly new. And what happened with that ride is it didn't catch. It went back through the loop and then got stuck in the boomerang because, again, it didn't have an extra pull up the lift hill to make it all the way through. It volleyed, basically, and got stuck in the worst possible place in the upside-down portion of the boomerang. And Discovery Kingdom, I know, David, you've been there. Uh, it's very narrow pathways. It's deep in the park. Yeah. It took them literally hours to get, you know, a cherry picker in there to get everyone off, you know, I think one or two at a time. And it was really bad. Again, the heat of the summer, it's amazing no one died from heat stress or heat shock or whatnot. Well, anyways, that happened. And years, years later, uh, about 2017, I'm up at Discovery Kingdom. I was visiting there for work and took a couple of days off on the weekend, went with a couple of my work buddies who had never been there before but all really big into coasters. So three of us went to Discovery Kingdom, had a blast, great day. You know, I loved going to parks with people for the first time and showing them around and stuff. And during the day, you know, we're going on all the, you know, the big rides, you know, like Joker, uh, Superman, which is their premier Skyrocket 2, and all these awesome new rides. And meanwhile, I'm telling them about some of the other rides, in particular Boomerang, and what happened there and how that ride can be so unreliable. And, you know, there's been a lot of issues with Boomerangs over the years. And the joke with the three of us, because we all were co-workers, is that, you know, making fun of our company that we worked for, we were all engineers, that it was like our company must have built a ride like that, you know, making fun of my company. Anyways, previous job, by the way. Anyways, so we finally get on that ride. And I kid you not, we, we go through the circuit, we go up the second lift hill, and guess what? We don't catch. The same problem happened as it did, what, 20 years, almost 20 years before. Now, luckily, because of all the issues with boomerangs over the years, Bacoma has, has not, you know, rebuilt these rides, but they've added safety features. So because that can happen a lot, um, basically, there's brakes that engage automatically right before the loop if the train doesn't go all the way up the second lift hill. And so that's exactly what happened. We got, you know, those brakes stopped us. Luckily, because otherwise we would have gotten stuck probably in the boomerang. And we were all laughing about it because I was just telling my friends about this. This is their first time on the coaster. The same problem happened, although thankfully with a different result. Uh, one of my buddies, he went on Facebook Live while we were stuck on the train. We were stuck on there for like half an hour until he let us off. So um, I've been evac from rides before, but that's probably my most unique evac situation. And thankfully had Vacoma's uh, safety feature in place. We weren't on it, you know, 20 years earlier. So... Yeah, I remember that park, Andrew. It's Marine World. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, I have cousins that live in Vallejo. They used to take me there. Nice. When Six Flags originally bought it, this was in the mid to late 90s, it was called Six Flags Marine World. And then they rebranded it a couple of years later to Discovery Kingdom. I remember my first experience at Discovery Kingdom. Um, my buddy Ted and I went for the first, and, and Rolando for the first time. And uh, that's when I got to, uh, I would say when I went, con was out of order and everyone's like, oh, you're not going to, you're not going to miss that coaster. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry about that one. It's a Vacoma SLC. And I'm like, well, I've never experienced a Vacoma SLC. <laughs> so the first Vacoma SLC I experienced was Mindy Racer over at Six Flags America. And 
that was quite an experience. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I say, you guys, we've all had some pretty crazy experiences, but I've got to say um, it has changed all of us in a more stronger way on some of the craziest things we experience. I've actually never been stuck on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I would say, J- well, no, JD, uh, we, well, we technically did get stuck on a ride. We got stuck on the car's ride. Yeah, because some idiot broke his arm. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Some guy, I guess, was had his arm out and he, it got caught and he broke his arm. Because when we got off the ride, finally, they had medical teams and security escorting him. And he was all bandaged up. His whole wow. arm was all wrapped up in a sling. And, hmm. uh, but we were stuck inside the dark part of uh, Cars Ride at night, right after the tractor, the, the, the big tractor goes after you. And maybe it was a saving grace that day because it was it, hot. It was like 105 degrees that day Jeez. in Anaheim. And we were stuck. And I looked at JD and, and his daughter, my goddaughter, and I said, you know what, guys? It's a good thing we're stuck in here. We're stuck in an air conditioned building. Right. So right. we're not roasting like what, what Andrew just experienced you know, over in Discovery Kingdom. Yeah, so there's, there's, I think I got stuck on Haunted Mansion one time. I don't really consider being stuck on Haunted Mansion because you're always getting stopped for one reason or another. Whether they're loading a handicapped person or getting somebody off of it. And the same goes with pirates. I mean, the boats get backed up because they're trying to get people on. They're trying to get people off. And if they're handicapped... That slows it down too. Good point. Um, I will say, I think the one thing I would, what, what would be the one thing you guys would like to experience? Um, like, I'll give you an example. I think the one thing I want to experience is a rollback on Top Throw Dragster at Cedar Point. I almost second that. I almost, I agree with I almost, that. I almost had an, ex- I almost got to experience it. The train, when I went back in 2018, the train in front of me got to have the rollback but i when i got on the next train we didn't get it so i was really disappointed <laughs> iba you said you experienced a rollback no i said i'd like to i have never experienced a rollback but i'd like to that's on my bucket yeah, me too list. me too i'd love to experience that yeah um any other experiences out there guys andrew I- um I, this is not in the same category because it's a really cool experience but uh it was one of those where we didn't plan it um we a few of us were at uh disneyland and gosh this was probably about 2017 or so and it was at night and we decided just by chance to go on big thunder mountain and it just turned out then while we were on the train on the ride uh it just turns out that when we were on the ride because we're on at night we timed it just right we did not do this on purpose we were riding big thunder while the fireworks are going off and if you think about it big thunder it's got kind of got that mine theme to it you literally have explosions going on in the final tunnel and the final lift hill and but we were hearing this explosion throughout the ride which perfectly fit the theme of the ride and it was it was actually really amazing i would encourage anyone uh well at least not right now uh even at magic kingdom because they're not doing fireworks although they're getting ready for them again but once the fireworks are back and disneyland's reopened for example if you can time it, and it's tricky to time it, of course, because that ride's only a couple minutes long, but if you can time it to be on Big Thunder Mountain while the fireworks are going off, do it. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna. I'm putting that. I'm gonna put that down on my list of bucket list of things to do. Uh, uh, Ivo, how about you? Um, it's not something that happened like while I was on a ride, but I was lucky enough to do a photo shoot for Steel Vengeance the year that it opens. 
Um, the park put out a thing on social media, like, hey, we're looking for volunteers and all that. So I was up at Sierra Point like two hours before the park opened, and I got to consecutively ride Steel Vengeance like seven times in a row. And then that photo that was used that day is was all over um, social media, and I was on a McDonald's cup. So I actually have a McDonald's cup with Steel Vengeance, and I can see where I am on the train. Wow. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. And they still use my photo, too. How about you, JD? Um, I really want to cross off my bucket list is riding Tron. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, I really want to ride Tron. So uh, I know this is an audio podcast, but raise your hand. And fair of us aren't even on video, but raise your hand if you've been on Tron. I know I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not usually a braggy person, but I, I've been on Tron. And J- JD, do you ride motorcycles? No. Okay. Because I, I used to ride. I kind of retired from it because it's just so dangerous with the other drivers on the road. But I, I love motorcycles. And I used to mainly ride sport bikes. And so Tron, I love the Tron movie, especially Tron Legacy. That ride is incredible uh you can see um we have some coverage of that ride on our channel um right david we have a the i think the overview video we talk about it yeah. um we weren't I, I wasn't able to get a good video on it because it's so dark inside the inside portion which is most of the ride but um any case the ride is amazing it is hands down because i've been to all the disney parks in the world it is the best disney coaster on the planet and we are so lucky to be getting it here at Magic Kingdom in the next year or two when it finally opened it. Uh, and I'm so glad we're, you know, it's right here in Florida, my home Disney park. Um, what that ride is, and there's other examples of coasters like this, uh, that ride is a great example of how adding theme, immersion, uh, various sort of sensory aspects to the theming, of course, visual theming, audio theming, how if you do that and you do it right, it makes the coaster amazing. And you hear that Tron Legacy soundtrack by the awesome Daft Punk in the queue on the ride itself. And in fact, the soundtrack on the ride, the coasters, you know, like Space Mountain at Disneyland or, or Rock and Roller Coaster here at Disney World, they have speakers, headrest speakers on the train. That theme, that song, or I should say the music from Tron Legacy is really well synced up with the ride and the way it kind of builds up when you go for your launch. And then once the coaster's over, it kind of quiets down into kind of some of this kind of lighter, slower paced theming from the movie. Uh, The music's amazing. The lighting effects, the launch itself, it's a single launch uh, LSM coaster by Vacoma. Uh, it doesn't go super fast as far as the speed it gets up to. It gets, I think it's supposed to about 60, 65, but the launch is really long and you, it's really, it, for what it is, it's intense. Do you really feel that acceleration? Absolutely. You really feel it. And when you come out of that launch tunnel into the outside portion under that beautiful uh, covering, the you know, kind of the outside there, all the lights and everything, especially at night. And you go through that, you know, that curve and back around and inside the show building and just, it's, it's just an incredible ride. It doesn't, the coaster doesn't do much. It doesn't invert. Uh, it, it really is just a launch and some really overbank curves, some really fun overbank curves, but some really cool theming and the music and the visuals that make that ride amazing. Does it have the sound like the like cycle? Um, I God, I'm trying to remember here. I believe there are some sound effects of the coaster of the of like the light cycle itself. If I remember, don't quote me on that. And the reason why I can't remember is because I'm so focused on that music. I love that soundtrack. 
It's one of the ones I have in my Apple Music library that I listen to all the time. Daft Punk is just such, they're such good performers, great music. Um, I don't know. Um, Hagrid's, for example, has great motorcycle sounds on the, you know, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure here at Universal. Uh, but I can't remember. But the, but I will say, the as far as the motorcycle itself, it looks like the light cycles from the movie, uh, the second movie especially. And the, the restraint system is really unique, how there's that kind of backrest that comes back kind of up over you, kind of like how uh, Forbidden Journey is, actually not Forbidden Journey, a Flight of Passage, rather, at Animal Kingdom. Um, really cool ride very unique system so in like in a couple of years i should make a trip out to florida oh definitely if that's your like bucket list top bucket list ride for sure yeah for, for i mean we don't know for sure because it's hard to tell at this point in construction but the understanding is especially given how disney buys <coughs> coasters that the uh, ride here in orlando should be exactly the same as the one in Shanghai. oh okay that's good yeah you know i'm surprised that not many other theme parks have that motorbike experience ride because i'll tell you they're fun i rode the uh motor coaster at six flags darien lake and it was it was a smaller uh version of i know what tron is and i know that uh knott's berry farm david has their version of it with um pony, uh, express. pony express yeah yep and and i liked it yeah it was just a single launch coaster but it was just a unique experience that not many parks have I mean, how many times do you have a lot of the clone rides at the Six Flags Park or even any right. of the Cedar Fair or whatnot? But yeah, the motorbike experience is just, it's fun. Yeah, and I no, agree. They, don't, they don't have to be, they don't have to be, you know, the biggest and the fastest to enjoy them. Like, could True. you imagine, could you imagine that motorbike, a giant motorbike like Tron going over Cedar Point's entrance instead of Gatekeeper's B&M wing coaster? That would be. Oh, Yeah. That would have been oh, yeah. a really cool sight to see. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, part part of what's amazing about Tron too is even if you're not riding the ride, uh, the kinetics, the, the the kind of the motion you see walking around Tomorrowland and Shanghai, you know, the beauty of that building itself, but seeing the trains and the way they light up, especially at night, and the way that the shroud for the building lights up at night, and hearing the music, you hear that music throughout that part of the land. It's just breathtaking. So, Andrew... Now that you wrote it, uh, which one did you like better, day or night? I marathoned the heck out of that ride. Um, Night, of course, is better, like pretty much any coaster. It's not that different at night because most of the ride is indoors. The launch is indoors. You then go through that small outside section. You do one basic curve and then go back in the show building. I will say this. One reason why that ride is better at night is because, you know, it's all in darkness. You're inside the dark building. You go out to a dark outside and then go back into a dark building. Your eyes are adjusted for the dark. And so when you get back into that building in the second, the main part of the ride, you can see more. Well, I will say that there is one one thing that JD is jealous on when it comes to Tron is that JD and I am pretty much all of us here are really big Disney f- fans. And the one thing that I, I like to do is I collect the Disney pins. And one day um, I have a very special pin on my lanyard that JD saw, and he was like, dude, where did you get that? And I, I like cool Disney pins. Nice, nice. <laughs> and he saw that I had gotten the Tron pin that you had given me, Andrew. And when it comes to the Tron pin, I've had so many people come up to me saying, hey, would you like to trade? And I'm like, nope, 
this is a very special pin and this is something I I don't plan on getting rid of and uh, it, this one will be staying with me for sure alright guys well I think we're getting ready to come to a close soon and uh, I think the, just listening to everyone's stories I will say that uh, we've had quite a few experiences just all from getting on roller coasters and um, the one thing I will say that I'm looking forward to hearing a lot of the interviews that you guys plan on doing for this podcast and you know our podcast this is uh, not going to be some me too product I mean this podcast is on a mission we're on a mission to change the world one person at a time and we really want to do whatever we can to help people be able to overcome their fears break their anxieties and just be able to live a more happier life and just by getting on a roller coaster um i just from listening to our stories i can tell that riding roller coasters has really changed and really impacted our lives in in many different ways so i think what we're going to do is i want to do a quick brief of of basically just want to Go around the table and just uh, see, uh, ask each and every one of you uh, what your mission is. And I think we'll start with Andrew. What what would be your mission as a correspondent on this podcast? So my mission is I, you know, to echo along the lines of what you just said, David. Uh, the reason why I chose Coaster Challenge as a channel to uh, volunteer for and help for, you know, versus other channels that are out there, is because of the mission of Coaster Challenge and that I believe in it. And as perhaps this is something that we can talk about in another episode, but we'll get into the details here. But as someone who definitely functionally benefits, just as you do, David, in a different way, from riding roller coasters and from going to theme parks, it's not just about fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I look forward to it. And in, in the year that we've had this past year, it's something we all need. I think all of us here at the table. Um, you know, but having those benefits on top of that, where it actually helps me to live a better quality life, um, that's huge. And that's really what I want to help expand is helping people to understand that it's not just about the fun or the entertainment. Roller coasters can be therapeutic. Yes, exactly. This is exactly uh, what riding roller coasters has done for me. Riding roller coasters has been therapy for me. And believe me, the past year, I've it has been really tough on me because I haven't been able to get on roller coasters as much like I normally would. And JD and I talked about this in our last episode about how much uh, riding roller coasters has really impacted my life. I mean, it has really like taken away a lot of the, my fears. It has really broken my anxieties and my Tourette's was even suppressed by all this. And it's just really done amazing things in my life. And I've been on this mission to try to help others because if, if, if it can happen to me, then I know it can happen to other people as well. Thinking about this, it's kind of like doing the metaphysics thing where you scream to release some of the negative energies to bring in positive energies. So being on the roller coasters, you're just screaming to be screaming and then you come off of it and you're you have a better energy level exactly how about you iva i'm gonna say be the wild one and live life to the fullest because yeah like we've all said roller coasters are fun but you know what we've all formed a family and you meet so many wonderful people when you're at the parks that you know create lifelong memories and connections i mean i've never met andrew but i feel a connection with him 
and, and you know, then, I never, and I never would have known that riding coasters would have led me to you, David, and to the rest of you. So I feel very blessed to have you all in my life. Likewise, that. I I've met all you guys. You know, just just at the theme parks. Uh, I'll never forget when Andrew and I first met each other. It was at an Ace event. We met at uh, Electric Eels Grand Open Media Day Grand Open at SeaWorld. Yes, that was and, a great uh, day. And uh, we're actually in a few videos. If you go on YouTube for Electric Eels. <clears throat> and we're actually in a few few YouTube videos on Electric Eels Grand Opening. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you type it on there, you'll find us sitting in many different spots spots around on the coaster on several different videos. Uh, you know, and, and Andrew and I have really developed such a great friendship and mutual respect. And, you know, we don't see eye to eye on some things, but the one thing that we both have passion and love for is theme parks and roller coasters. And we can just talk all day long about all the different coasters and everything that the parks have or what's coming up. And we even talk about the manufacturers. It's just a really great friendship that him and I have developed. Absolutely. And I've met so many wonderful people all over the country. I, I'm proud to say that I'm glad to have friends no matter all throughout the country. So no matter where I go, where I travel, I always know that I will always have friends to come uh, hang out with me no matter what park I go and visit. And uh, that's just something that I'm very, that's made me very happy. I always love having friends and uh, I always look forward to seeing everybody when I travel. All right, so how about you, JD? I don't want to see people living in fear. I'd rather see them not live in life with, with the regret either. How about you, Jenna? Like I said before, I do with the metaphysics. So getting on these roller coasters and getting to scream releases all that negative energy. So you're not coming, when you come off of it, you're more happy. You're more, you're, you feel light. Where if you keep holding on to it, it just kind of builds and holds you down. And you're a very spiritual person. Um, I know that a lot of your philosophies and everything that you know you you do is really really based on a very spiritual side in your life. So I've been on my own uh, spiritual journey, and it happened about nine years ago. And like you said, I am spiritual, so this is something that we can discuss at a d different time. But yeah, it's a way to release that negative energy to allow positive energy to flow in. So I'm really excited to see what all of you are going to have coming up, uh, being adding to this podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the interviews, people you'll be interviewing. Uh, a lot of the episodes in this podcast are going to be really dedicated to all of you, you know, dedicating on interviewing whoever you're, you're going to bring to the table. And um, I'm really excited about it and uh, looking forward to seeing like when we go and we look back in five years and we're going to be like, we did that. We said that. Oh, my God. I can't believe we said that. I, I, it's always like that when you start something new like a YouTube channel or or a podcast or if you do something, you go back to old school tapes when you were a kid and you're like, I did that. I wore that, you know. <laughs> But uh, anyway, guys, um, so I really want to thank my correspondence teams for joining us. Um, if you guys want to follow um, our, t our team members, you can follow Iva at Wildcat Coasters. She's got a YouTube channel there, and she's also on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow Andrew. Andrew's also a, a, a producer on the Ace Ride With Us podcast, and he's done some pretty incredible uh, interview stories that you should check out and recently Andrew you really did a really awesome interview with a very popular uh, 
producer for a major documentary on HBO Max. That's correct. I interviewed Seth Porges, who is one of the uh, creators, director, producers of the Class Action Park documentary about the infamous water park in New Jersey. That was my home water park growing up, Action Park. Had a really fun interview with him. We just uh, aired that episode. It's still, of course, available uh, ongoing. Uh, a couple months ago it debuted, and I encourage everyone to listen to it. It's really fun and entertaining. And you can also follow JD on our video game channel, VGC uh, Extended, also known as Gamers Challenge. Uh, we also have some videos on the Coaster Challenge YouTube channel as well. And uh, Jenna, you also have, you can follow Jenna on, you got quite a few uh, social media sites. So yeah, you can follow me more on Facebook. I do have a site, it's called Shooting Star Psychic Greetings by Jenna. Um, and then my Facebook uh, page itself is Jennifer Gazelle Pass. Awesome. Anyway, guys, I hope you got the opportunity to get to know all of us here at Coaster Challenge. And uh, we're going to end it here. Uh, can't wait for our next episode. But until then, this is David Cantu. And I'm J.D. Prescott. And we'll see you guys next week right here on Coaster Challenge.